This is Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Morning Jolt is a production of Spoke Street Media. Wake up! Hello, this is Sister Ignatia. I'm here with Sister Maria Gemma. Good morning. Thanks for joining me. So happy to be here with you. How is your coffee? Coffee is delicious. We made it together. Freshly ground. I did the grinding. You did the pouring. That's right. We're an excellent team. Amen. <laughs> That's why I thought we'd have an excellent conversation this morning. Thank you. I'm you looking ready? forward to it. Okay, yeah. Take a sip. Mm. And then would you mind praying for us before we talk? Sure. Great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Dear Jesus, we just praise you and thank you for this day, this opportunity to be with you here on this podcast. Ask that you just come and open our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit to inspire us with your thoughts. Ask you just to form in us your mind and your heart. Ask you to give us and all those who listen to this podcast the grace to be open, to receive you, to be open to new ideas, new ways of seeing the world. Come Holy Spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, could you share a little bit just about like your education background, what you're into right now, catch people up on your life? Yeah. So I have previously studied theology and philosophy, and now I am studying education, and it's my first time studying at a public institute since second grade. So Whoa. I grew up pretty much in Catholic education, Catholic mm-hmm. schooling, so this is a different type of experience for me. Has it uh, opened up new ideas for you? Like what have you- It has, yeah. So our program at the school that I'm at, which is um, Indiana State University, it's very strong on diversity and social justice issues. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely giving me a different perspective on the world than what I have received in Catholic education. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. Like we want to talk about issues of race in our country, critical race theory. Hopefully we're going to like talk about words that, yeah, we might not be experts about either, but like we all should educate ourselves and know and not be afraid of them. Yeah. We need to definitely try our best to let go of that fear so that we can actually receive other people as human beings and not as enemies. So we can remember that the enemy isn't actually this human being Mm -hmm. who has a different belief or a different thought than me. Mm -hmm. And in your Yeah, experience like what are some of those maybe key words or ideas that you kind of had to like get to know better to like have a good dialogue about race? Yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is that it helps a lot just to understand the history of our country. And surprisingly, I have learned more in my past two years of education than I have in my whole life about the racial issues in our country. Mm. I had no idea what many Black Americans have gone through and continue to go through today. And it's important to ask the question, why? Why is it that Mm -hmm. I've never heard of these things? Like, For instance, I'm reading a book right now that talks about redlining. I don't even think I heard the word redlining until this program, which basically redlining just means that, especially in the early times when 
integration was first beginning and segregation was ending Mm -hmm. in America, a lot of real estate agencies and legislatures would make rules about which areas Black people could move into and which areas they couldn't. So by pushing Black people out of certain areas, it created this kind of slum environment for them because that's the only place they could actually find housing. Wow. And I think we've talked about that before, and it's actually surprising when some of those laws and restrictions were actually abolished and not practiced anymore, right? They were kind of practiced even up until recent memory. Yeah. And I think many of my classmates who are people of color would also add that it actually still exists in some places Mm -hmm. today. And it's just that those who enact it are very skilled at maneuvering around the law. So while it's no longer legal, I wouldn't say that it's completely abolished. Yeah. And would you call that like maybe a a term to jump into would be like systemic racism? Would you call like, is that what that is, or is that something else? Or? Yeah, so I'm not professing to be an expert on the topic of racism, but I am trying to educate myself mm-hmm. on on these issues. And I would say systemic racism itself is a term that people are afraid of. Mm. When we hear it, there's automatically dissension and division. And so the way I understand systemic racism is that racism is not just something that exists in people, but it actually exists in the very structure of our society. And so what that would look like with the issue of redlining is that by redlining and by setting up school districts based on location, yeah, you have poor black neighborhoods and therefore you have poor black schools. And so those black children are not being educated the same way as white children. So mm-hmm. one way they tried to solve that was by busing issues. So they would bus the black children into these white schools to try and provide a more equitable education. However, the trauma that comes with being the only black person in a white school or in a white classroom was not taken into consideration Mm -hmm. by the people who made that rule. So it may have been better just to try and enter into the schools where that are predominantly black, try to provide better education there rather than to just make them drive on buses hours each way just to get to a school where they could have possibly a better education. Yeah, it's not their fault that they're where they are and have to like... Exactly. They shouldn't just like, yeah, be forced to move. So that's kind of the systemic issue. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, if black people just like tried or wanted it, they could have the same things we do. Hmm. And I think that's exactly what systemic racism means is that actually they can't. (laughs) Um, Some do get out, some do excel Mm -hmm. and succeed, but things in society are kind of built against them. Yeah. So like the odds are stacked against yes. someone of color. And even like the formulation of that statement, if somebody says like they can, quote, have the same things that we do is already like saying like, well, I have all these things because of probably reasons outside of my control or something. So you're professing like I have these things they need to move up to like get where I'm at or something that's already like um, identifying in a disparity. That's correct. and. I think that kind of brings up another term, white privilege. Ooh, yeah. And I think white people in general do not like that term mm-hmm. because we think, well, I know white people who are poor or I know white people who don't have as much as I do or I know anyways, whatever it is. White privilege is another term that white people don't like because they think, well, I'm not privileged. Like I've worked hard to get where I am. 
the privilege isn't that you've worked hard to get where you are. It's that because you're white, certain doors are open to you mm-hmm. that aren't open to people from other cultures, mm-hmm. or other skin colors, mm-hmm. <laughs> other backgrounds, other socioeconomic status. So with being white, there does come a certain privilege in our country. And our country was made for white people to succeed. Yeah, And yeah. our economic system was basically created and grown off the back of slaves. It was through the slave industry that money was created here Mm -hmm. and that white people became wealthy and rich in this nation. So what if somebody maybe listening to this podcast has heard some of those words like white supremacy or systemic racism and like feels, I don't know, like attacked or like has a bad taste in their mouth towards these words? Yeah. So I would just pose the question, why do you feel attacked? And I, I would just ask, is it because maybe you recognize some of those things in yourself. So that could be one thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing could be just a defensiveness that comes up because it's something different. I would just encourage people to not take offense, to not be offended or defensive, but to realize, okay, if I hear this on the news and I get offended, that's one thing. But these kind of things happen in relationship. And so when Mm -hmm. we're actually, if we're in relationship with people of color, with Black people, if we are in relationship with these people and these things come up, it's not going to be in a manner that attacks you, right? It should be in conversation and Mm -hmm. it should be open to dialogue. And so I know as Catholics, we are neither liberal nor conservative, right? We try to just like find truth, which is usually right in the middle of those two. And so the left liberal approach wants to say one thing and use one terminology and the conservative right-wing approach has a completely different terminology and they just keep throwing words back and forth and no one seems to be seeking understanding. I shouldn't say no one. (laughs) Many people are not seeking understanding. And so if dialogue is the goal, we have to stop saying, well, you have to say it my way or you have to do this. Why don't Mm -hmm. we step out and try to actually understand what the other person is saying so that we can respond adequately? It seems like a whole, like at least like myself, like looking at issues of race like it almost seems like a whole world that like yeah I'm on the outside and I don't understand but my place isn't on the outside and what would you say if someone's again trying to seek understanding and then saying it seems like these issues have come about and I I haven't quote done anything that's like made somebody's life worse or I haven't made choices that like has prohibited someone from living a good life yeah Hearing the issue itself seems like that's beyond the point. Like we're in a a society that's set up a certain way. So I guess like where is the the responsibility or the action, I guess, or where is it it just in dialogue or? Yeah, I would say (laughs) as a white woman who has grown up in white communities, Mm -hmm. white Catholic communities, others who are similar and have grown up in white Catholic communities, This is going to require serious heart work. Mm. And I had the great privilege last summer. We had a course at my public university that (laughs) I'm at that focused on critical race theory, which we can talk about later a little more, maybe Mm -hmm. in another episode. But it focused on critical race theory, which basically says race is a social construct set up to promote white people and to demote black people. And that course was in dialogue with myself, my classmates who are very diverse. There are people of color, black, Asian, white. 
all different ethnic and racial backgrounds in my course. And actually, we entered into dialogue about these really hard topics and difficult issues. And that was a very difficult course for me because it made me check my heart many times. Mm. And my emotions were just kind of flying everywhere because (laughs) I I didn't know how to process some of that. I didn't Mm. know how to think differently than how I had thought my whole life. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. So I would say any chance you get to be able to challenge your own way of thinking, rather than always just saying, well, I've been taught this, it must be right. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's (laughs) fine. But if we can allow our own thought patterns and ways of thinking to be challenged, if we can actually enter into that humility of heart that says, you know what, maybe I actually do harbor some racist tendencies and I'm not even aware of them. Yeah. And allow ourselves to see those. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we have to condemn ourselves. Like we're not condemned because of that. Nobody's condemned because of that. But it does give us the opportunity to see and to repent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like giving the space to say like, maybe I do like hold on to some of these ideas or make decisions based on assumptions that I'm not aware of. Or like, yeah, why not just leave that door open? Like maybe I do. And a simple thing that maybe you can do to just kind of check your heart right now as you're listening to this Mm -hmm. is just imagine in your mind like you're walking down a street and you see two young black people coming towards you what are your immediate thoughts yeah are they fear are they anger Mm -hmm. what are they and just like ask yourself and let those kind of emotions arise so you can question them Mm -hmm. so you can ask yourself where they come from that's a good yeah heart check exercise Mm. And is that a different reaction than if it would be two white people? Yeah. Or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Without, I would want to do that off air too. Like, because like, I know it's different, but like, yeah, to actually like um, own what those those reactions are and to like fight against them. Like we just have like any reactions, but it doesn't mean that those have to stay the same. Yeah. And I think it's really important when we start to do this inner heart work that we also not step into a zone of judging ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we do this exercise and I realize, oh my gosh, I do have such fear when I imagine that two black people are walking towards me. Not to judge that as bad, but to allow ourselves to become curious. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Why is it that I'm afraid? Where does that fear come from? Mm-hmm. To actually let that curiosity be a scalpel that digs into <laughs> our hearts and yeah. reveals ourselves to ourselves. Yeah. Maybe what suggestions would you give? Maybe if somebody listening to this podcast is like, well, I never realized that this might be, yeah, something that's really should impact my life, but I've been unaware of it. Or where do I even start? Or like, yeah, these words that we've been talking about, um, like white privilege and these things like have attacked me, but like now I think I want to change. Like, yeah, where would you suggest somebody to go to even start educating themselves? Well, I think we need to start entering into conversation with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that my classmates have stressed to me again and again Mm -hmm. is it's not the one black person we know. It's not their job to educate us on everything regarding race. Right. So we really need to step out. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) We really need to step out and educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we actually need to want to learn Mm -hmm. and to want to see from a different angle. So I would say conversation. I don't know, like since I had that class, I've been talking to lots of sisters, lots of people about the issues just to kind of like hash them out. So I know what I'm thinking about things. I've also been reading a lot. There's a great book by a Christian pastor, Miles McPherson, called The Third Option. It's Mm -hmm. actually even pretty cheap. And 
he just does a good job at laying out the issues and stressing how we can come to a we rather than an us and them. Yeah. Wow. Mr. Ray Gemma, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to future conversations. Exactly. Okay. See ya. Bye. I hope you like religious life as much as I do. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, contact us at our website, ssfpa.org. He leads, I follow. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.